God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I got to tell you... Um, uh, this uh, this Roe v. Wade thing has really gotten crazy, you know. Uh, it's it's amazing when you see Black Lives Matter and and Antifa coming out like clockwork every election year. And who's organizing these people? Who's paying these people? Of course, we know, you know, what they're all about and. They're a fundraising arm of the Act Blue, which is a fundraising arm of the Democrat Party. And that's what they're doing. But this, the hypocrisy surrounding this and the misinformation and where are the social media and big tech companies saying this isn't true and this is, you know, false. They're, they're, they're trying to, they want to pack the court. They want to sell that idea. And what they're doing is they're citing uh, that Amy Coney Barrett, for example, uh, also Kavanaugh, every new appointment, uh, lied about Roe v. Wade. But the whole Roe v. Wade thing has been a lie. And it's been a lie. And um, and so we have a lot of different clips we're going to play. We got one from Mark Levin because he just gave a brilliant uh, response to Maria Bartiromo on Sunday. And uh, we got one from um, Tucker Carlson. Uh, And then we got something from Amy Coney Barrett. We got a lot of different clips to make our case. You know, it's really refreshing to see some of these young students that are pro-life protesting but they're not protesting they're rejoicing and they're blowing bubbles and they're not cursing they're not dropping the f word you know i don't know what it is about the f bomb and the left but every time you see them rally they're cursing up a storm 
They got nose rings everywhere. Their hair is a different color. They make a mess everywhere they go. And then you see the, the Christian right, and they're blowing bubbles and singing Sweet Caroline and things like that. And it's so wholesome and pure and good, representative of what we want, we, we want America to be. There is still hope for America when you see these young kids. I shouldn't say young young adults, right? Young adult feels like a young kid to me now, but it is hopeful. So that's, you know, interesting. But what we're going to see in this election coming up is we're going to see the same kind of Soros shenanigans going on with the DAs in these cities, we are going to see a real investment in local politics as a result of Roe v. Wade. And then there's this whole impact of, uh, and that there, for good and for bad and for corruption, you're going to see outside money pouring into small local elections to try to, you know, uh, win over these states because the power is back to the states. The power is shifting from the federal government to the states. That's called federalism. And that's where we want it. We want the voter to be close and know their politician that represents them. And we want the power the power to be with the voter. <clears throat> and that's exactly where it's going. You know, Trump actually predicted this. He did. He was always right. And he gave a great rally too. It was in Indiana or Illinois. But um, I understand 15,000 to 20,000 people showed up for this rally. I mean, he is a game changer. And, you know, when you go by the gas pump and you say, Biden did this, well, these decisions of these flawed opinions by the Supreme Court, well, Trump did this. And Trump should be rewarded for this because no matter how you feel about the issue of abortion, whether, whether you agree with it or you don't agree with it, it doesn't even matter. That, that, let's put that off the table. This issue is about whether or not the Supreme Court should be creating law, and the uh, you know in the Constitution, nowhere in the Constitution does it say the word abortion. Aha! But then there's this other wrinkle: nowhere in the Constitution does it use the, the, does it reference marriage. So what's a marriage? And so. When Kennedy talked about constellation of benefits and gay marriage, and then Clarence Thomas said, well, we should revisit that one too. We should revisit all these cases that are out of the jurisdiction of SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States. And then Samuel Jackson comes up with a little fast one on this one. And he plays off of the 
gay marriage thing. And he says, well, may, maybe Uncle Tom, Uncle Clarence Thomas, right, used a racial epithet, racial slur, a racial slur to one of the most historic, great men in the history of America. Forget about skin color for a second. But he happens to be a black man, Clarence Thomas. But he is a great man on any standard. And he's basically saying the SCOTUS, if you want a great America, and Trump, uh, Tucker makes this point too, but if you want a great America, you don't want SCOTUS, nine individuals in robes with a lifelong appointment making policy. <clears throat> so Samuel Jackson comes out with a tweet, and it was actually kind of a smart, brilliant, not brilliant, smart point about the Loving case, about this interracial relationship. By the way, if you ever want to see a great movie, it's called Loving. And what it's about is this interracial uh, relationship and in Virginia, and the hardships that they had to go through to forge through and make it unconstitutional to prevent uh, a black man or a white man and a black woman, any persuasion, I mean, to have an interracial relationship, right? In, in this case, it happened to be a white man and a black woman. Um, but it was a really well done movie, really good movie, and... And it talks about the Supreme Court case. So Samuel Jackson is basically trying to say, Uncle Tom, Uncle Clarence Thomas, uh, Uncle Clarence Thomas, he says, um, you know, wonder what his, what, what his thoughts are on the Loving versus Virginia case. Of course, everybody knows that it was the Republicans in the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments that made uh, the right of the wrongs of slavery and righted the wrongs with the emancipation of proclamation and put things into law as amendments. And it was the Democrats that refused to give black people more than three-fifths value to give black people the right to vote. They refused. They were the ones. And, and, and also to uh, relieve black people from slavery. The Democrats historically, were standing as roadblocks, just like the Democrat George Wallace, just like the Democrat George Wallace, stood in the doorway to not allow integration in schools, because the Democrats have always been about segregation. They've always been on the wrong side of history. The Republican Party was started to abolish slavery. That's how it became started. They had their first convention at the Music Fund Hall on 10th and Locust in Philadelphia. And I've been, I lived three blocks from there. And there's a placard right out in front that says the Republican Party was started to abolish slavery from the Democrats. And they didn't succeed in 1956. But it was started in 18, I mean, eight, I'm sorry, 1856. 
it was started in 1854. They had their first candidate in 1856. And in 1856, they lost. The country didn't vote them in. And then in 1860, we got Lincoln. And that changed everything. The Republican Party changed everything. Just like Trump and modern-day Abe Lincoln changed everything in America. A game-changer. And history is going to look back on Donald Trump and realize what, <clears throat> what, what a difference maker he was in American politics. Talk about taking the slings and arrows and talking about taking the whip on the back and talk about a guy who didn't need the aggravation and headaches. He had a supermodel wife, still does. He has properties all over the world. He could do anything he wanted. And he chose to save America with his slogan. I mean, that was his slogan for 2020. Save America. Make America great again. Keep America great. What the heck is wrong with that slogan? That is not a dog whistle for anything but patriotism. Love of country. A border wall is nothing but patriotic and love of country, keeping us safe. A strong military keeps us safe, keeps our enemies at bay and in check. Very simple America First policies are not rocket science. Just like Trump said, you know, wheels and walls work pretty well. The cavemen got it right on that one. The wheels and the walls and the fires and, 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 you know, fire to heat. Uh, it all works really well. But liberals want to come in and just mess everything up. And they are torturing. They're, they're lying. I mean, it's unbelievable, but it is believable. Just like the media covered up for Hunter Biden, just like the media covered up. The media is culpable. I mean, they are definitely guilty of destroying America, the ma- mainstream media, the corporate media. But you say, well, maybe it's not the corporate media. Maybe it's not the corporate media. Maybe it's the corporations that fund the media. Yeah, the media is guilty for having their hand out and taking the money and saying, yes, sir, no, sir, and I'll do anything you say, sir, because you have the money and I want your money. And so, therefore... They answer to the man, and the man might be Larry Fink at BlackRock. You know, who voted this guy in? Nobody. But he's controlling all kinds of politics. George Soros might have an impact on what you say and do in the media. Anybody with billions of dollars has a little bit of swagger and sway, particularly if you're liberal, because liberals are the biggest sellouts I think I've ever seen in my life. And they're hypocritical. But these corporations, now I want, you to th- I want you to listen to this. You know the reason why these corporations are so bold? I mean, it's amazing. Levi, Disney. You know, it doesn't go unnoticed that Disney, who basically their customer is children. Their customers are children. 
and they want to support abortion, basically killing off their what? Their their client? I mean, where does that where does that even make sense? Right? Disney supports abortion. So therefore, ergo, Mickey Mouse supports abortion and wants to preach that crap to the kids that are there? Does that make any sense to you? Levi Strauss, all these other big companies, all these other companies, these companies, and you know why? Do you want to know why they support abortion? Now listen up. The reason why they support abortion is because it saves them a truckload of money. They don't have to pay for maternity leave. Ah, yeah, hey, we don't have to pay for maternity leave. How about that health insurance for the family? Once you have a kid, you got to put that child on the health insurance, and next thing you know, what? The insurance is more. The health insurance is more expensive. Corporations' expenses go through the ceiling. We've got to pay for the kid. We got to get the child care. We got to get the health insurance goes up for the corporate health insurance, and and then that that doggone maternity leave, got to pay for like nine months of maternity leave. A lot of time. It's expensive for a corporation to endorse family. So abortion is a great savings for them. And then they got, you know, the segregationists, the left, the racists left, that basically want to kill off minorities because that's where they're putting. And they think this is going to be a big election win. You know what? People care more about $5 gas than they do this issue. And come election time, they better not even consider doing away with uh, the, the filibuster and then packing the court. Because A, Joe Manchin and Cinema probably could, couldn't survive if they did that, number one. And number two, so they'd lose two Senate seats right there for sure. So it's a, it's a, it's, it's a no-win situation for them. They're, they're between a rock and a hard place politically. But it goes even further than that. They know they're going to have it handed to them, especially if they lose Mansion and Cinema in November. So they pass the filibuster, and guess who runs the Senate? You know, they pass getting rid of the filibuster, I mean. And then who runs the Senate come November? And they're not going to have enough time to confirm judges to pack the court. And they're going to lose the Senate in November. And guess what's going to happen? Now, it is true that Republicans actually have to defend more seats in November than the Democrats do. So that's a bit of a shame right there. But um, So that makes it a little bit of an uphill battle. But I think Biden is just so bad. $5 gas, inflation. Uh, he's completely sick in the head. Uh, in any case... Um, the Republicans win back the Senate and the Democrats just got done throwing out the filibuster 
And next thing you know, you can you can pretty much kiss any policy that Biden's going to put out for the next year and a half goodbye. And and come election time, either Trump or DeSantis is going to come out victorious. And uh, however that works out, and it's going to be uh, game over for the left. Because all these crazy liberals are going to be dying off. They're going to be retiring out. Feinstein, you know, Nancy Pelosi, who's looking sicker by the day. Chucky Schumer, Crocodile Tears Schumer. All these people that are old, you know, old as dirt that should probably not be making policy today. They're as liberal as you can get. And they shouldn't even be in office right now. But they're, they're, they're just addicted to the power. Like people are addicted to drugs. They are addicted to their drug. Their drug is power. The Democrats never do things for the people. They do things for the power. They don't care whether you live or die. Just look at Uvalde. Just look at all these other false flag crazy things that have been going on. Let's take a listen. Um, We're going to take a listen to this uh, Donald Trump uh, scenario here. Um, uh, Well, not scenario. Uh, He's with he's uh, debating uh, Hillary Clinton. It says, reminder, Trump called it predicts demise of Roe v. Wade. Let's pick up on another issue which divides you and the justices that whoever ends up winning this election appoints could have a dramatic effect that there. And that's the issue of abortion. Right. Mr. Trump, you're pro-life. But I, I want to ask you specifically, do you want the court, including the justices that you will name, to overturn Roe v. Wade, which in includes, in fact, states a woman's right to abortion. Well, if that would happen, because I am pro-life and I will be appointing pro-life judges, I would think that that will go back to the individual states. But I'm asking you specifically, would you like to... If they overturned it, it'll go back to the states. But what I'm asking you, sir, is do you want to see the court overturned? You just said you want to see the court protect the Second Amendment. Do you want to see the court overturn Roe v. Well, if we put another two or perhaps three justices on, that's really what's going to be... That will happen. And that'll happen automatically, in my opinion, because I am putting pro-life justices on the court. I will say this, it will go back to the states and the states will then make a determination. Uh, I'm just going to say it. He's the smartest guy in the room. That was, <laughs> that was how many years ago? That was 2016. You know, I mean, the guy is way ahead of the curve. Pretty, pretty doggone amazing, if you ask me. Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, well... Okay, I was uh, looking at the wrong screen here. But um, I have something else I want to play. Now, the left is calling for uh, packing the court. And uh, they're calling for... um, They're going to go after... Ocasio-Cortez wants to get the impeach the judges because she's accusing them of lying. And then... um, Elizabeth Warren wants to pack the court because she's not happy with all the other great decisions like like uh, guns, like unions, like voting, and like the abortion issue. 
Trump judges have done some remarkable things that are driving the left crazy. You know, it's kind of funny. The left was all set to throw salt in the wounds and in, in our eyes. They were all set to just talk smack and 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 spike the ball with regard to the um, recent Senate uh, run by a bunch of cowards on the right uh, who passed the red unconstitutional red flag laws, which hopefully one day the Supreme Court will weigh in on. And in, and ban red flag laws as being completely out of out of whack with regard to due process, um, and and uh, they were all set to spike the ball. And then Friday after, right after our show, it was announced this this announcement with the Roe v. Wade, which we pretty much knew was going to happen. And and it's just interesting because now they're crying in in their soup. You know, they're basically, you know, tearing stuff apart, having these doofus rallies. They don't even know what they're talking about. You could tell they're not well read because they don't know that it has very little. The the decision actually has very little to do with abortions. Rick Grinnell came out and said nothing's changed in California. But there are several states that have this automatic, you know, shutdown of abortions and not only that but there were so many the roe v wade had such an impact negatively on states rights to do what they wanted to do with regard to um, abortion Um, and it just got in the way of that and once again the democrats exploited the heck out of all of these things and it was uh it was pretty pretty Terrible, really. You give them an inch, they take a mile. You basically, it started off with trans, right? Started off with trans or gay, right? Gay, gay rights. Uh, don't be a homophobe. Okay, we won't. You know, we accept what you want to do in your own private bedroom. We know it's a a learned behavior. We know it's a social condition you have. You 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 want to do that? That's fine. But keep it in your bedroom. Whatever. You know, do whatever you want to do. But it's whatever. But we had, we had evolved and become more accepting of, of these new norms, I guess, if you want to even call it that. But then now they want to be a political force and they want to be a voting block and they want to take your rights away. And they want to have rights that you don't have. Just like the migrants come across the southern border and they get all kinds of free gifts, like they just showed up at a time resort. And there's a salesman greeting them with brochures and 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 and. and um, swag bags and uh, you know it's it's just um, or it's it's sort of like you know when when the when you're the, you know when your existing vendor offers new customers a better option than you have and you're like why don't I get that up well you're you're already in you you're in contract we're going to offer this new guy the best deals. And it's, you know, black people are looking at the left and saying, you used to, do, you used to court me like you're courting the Hispanics right now. I don't like the fact that I have to now reach in my pocket and pay you so you could pay them. Redistribution of wealth is going the wrong way. We're not used to this. You know, it's that kind of thing. Who do you love now? You know, new, new, new uh, shiny thing. You know, but... Um, in any case, let's take a listen to uh, 
Sandy Cortez from Westchester, Ocasio Cortez, and uh, Elizabeth Warren, and then we'll talk about it. What makes it particularly dangerous is that it sends a blaring uh, signal to all future nominees mm -hmm. that they can now lie to duly elected members of the United States Senate in order to secure Supreme Court uh, uh, confirmations and, and, and seats on the Supreme Court. I believe lying under oath is an impeachable offense. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had after their gun decision, after their voting decision, after their union decision. They just took the last of it and set a torch to it with the Roe versus Wade opinion. I believe we need to get some confidence back in our court, and that means we need more justices on the United States Supreme Court. So she's so there it is. She wants to pack the court. She wants to change everything. She wants to destroy our country over this one issue. It's unbelievable. Now the question is, did they really lie? I say they didn't. I don't think they did. Um, and let's take a listen. This is Amy Coney Barrett. Let's take a listen. Well, you also separately acknowledge that in uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, the Supreme Court's controlling opinion talked about in the reliance interests on Roe v. Wade, which it treated in that case as super precedent. Is Roe a super precedent? How would you define super precedent? I, I, I actually, I might have thought someday I'd be sitting in that chair. I'm not. I'm up here, so I'm asking okay, you. Okay, well, people so. use super precedent differently. Okay. The way that it's used in the scholarship and the way that I was using it in the article that you're reading from was to define cases that are so well settled that no political actors and no people seriously push for their overruling. And I'm answering a lot of questions about Roe, which I think indicates that Roe doesn't fall in that category. And scholars across the spectrum say that doesn't mean that Roe should be overruled. But descriptively, it does mean that it's a case, not a case that everyone has accepted and doesn't call for its overruling. I don't okay, think so here's what's, here's what's interesting to me. You said that Brown is, and I know my time is running out, is a super precedent. That's something uh, the Supreme Court has not even said, but you have said that. So if you say that, why won't you say that about Roe v. Wade, a case that the court's controlling opinion in that Planned Parenthood v. Casey case has described as a super precedent? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Um, well, Senator, I can just give you the same answer that I just did. I'm using a term in that article that is from the scholarly literature it's actually one that was developed by scholars who are, you know, certainly not conservative scholars who take a more progressive approach to the Constitution. And again, you know, as, as Richard Fallon from Harvard said, Roe is not a super precedent because calls for its overruling have never ceased, but that doesn't mean that Roe should be overruled. It just means that it doesn't fall on the small handful of cases like Marbury versus Madison and Brown versus the board that no one questions anymore. Is United States for Virginia military, is that super president? Senator Klobuchar, if you continue to ask questions about super precedents that aren't on the list of the super precedents that I discussed in the article that are well acknowledged in the constitutional law literature, every time you ask the question, I will have to say that I can't grade it. Okay. That was a brilliant answer. And not only that, they bring up Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood's closing down shop. 
They're closing down Planned Parenthood facilities in all these red states. And guess what? It just goes to show you. They, they, were ne- they lied to you. So Ocasio-Cortez talks about lying under oath. Well, Planned Parenthood lied under oath when they said that they were a medical facility and that abortions represented a small part of what they do. And now abortions aren't available to them and they're closing down. They have no concern whatsoever with respect to women's health. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. But there it was. So, you know, Stephen Miller wrote in response to that uh, excerpt that I just played for you, uh, Amy Comey Barrett, Coney Barrett, a lot of egregious misquoting of Justice Barrett today to make it sound as though she said the exact opposite on Roe. Here's the actual quote. So, um, you know, the thing is, is that um, senators are, are like uh, Casio-Cortez and Elizabeth Warren are making up lies that their constituents believe. And there it is. You just heard it from the person. The actual testimony they're referring to. And she didn't say that. And that's that. So um, the other one is uh, we have two longer clips that we want to play. But I have a shorter clip I want to play too. Because we were talking about, you know, give them an inch and they take a mile. Uh, Here is a, a liberal, actually. Could very well be a liberal. Um, she has pink hair and uh, it's not about their hair, but uh, I believe she had. She, uh, this was billed as she was a liberal that was blaming liberalism for getting giving getting an inch and taking a mile on overturning Roe and sending the issue to the states for the people to decide. Liberals have done this on race, climate, COVID, and homosexuality and trans immigration and the war on drugs, haven't they? They've exploited it. Like, now you got Biden giving out crack pipes. The same people that are giving out crack pipes, folks, and saying, go smoke over there in that square box, they're the same people that are supporting these 10 cities everywhere you turn in every city. But they're the same people that want to actually ban um, electric cigarettes or vaping, Right? They're going to ban vaping, but they they're they're not going to ban crack pipes. In you know, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But listen to what this woman, this young girl, this is what she has to say. You know who the left should blame for the overturning of Roe versus Wade? Not the Supreme Court, not Christians, not conservatives, not Republicans, not pro-lifers. The only ones they should be blaming are themselves. It is one hundred percent their fault. Roe got overturned. A lot of people, myself included at one point in time, could sympathize with the scared teenager, with the drug addict who had no business bringing a baby into this world. We could understand that we didn't like it, we didn't agree with it, but we could at least understand it. We went from safe, legal, and rare to up to the moment of birth. We gave you an inch and you took a mile. We drew the line when you decided that you should be able to murder a fully formed 
infant up to the moment it exits your body you have no one to blame but yourselves i'm thinking she was a conservative actually because she said we but um it was billed when i saw this it's a tiktok and it's just someone on tiktok uh it was billed that she was a liberal but i may have gotten that wrong she sounds to me like a conservative which is fine that's good probably maybe a listener who knows um, but yeah, so uh, I loved what she had to say, though. It would have been better even if she was a liberal, though. Um, it would have just been better, you know, recruiting and all. Okay, one more clip before we go. We before we go to the longer clip, uh, I got to play this one for you. This is this is um, Jane Rowe. Oh gosh, what was her name? Uh, Norma Norma. I'll give you the name as soon as it plays. But um, listen to Roe speak when she finally outed herself and became a uh, born-again Christian. Let's take a listen. Jane Roe's story was a terrible one. She said she had been gang-raped, gotten pregnant, was desperate to get an abortion. That's what everyone believed, as long as Jane Roe remained anonymous. When she went public, she told a different story. You were raped while you were in Georgia? No, I wasn't. You were not? Okay, Norma McCorvey. I just forgot the name, but Norma McCorvey, she was known as Jane Roe, and she wrote a book, I am Roe. Okay, so let's take a listen to that again. Norma McCorvey. No, I wasn't. You were not? No, I wasn't. Oh, so all those stories that are in the books and so forth are not true? Yes, sir. Yes. They're not true. Right. And it turned out that lying wasn't the only embarrassment this darling of the pro-choice forces presented. In her personal treatise published last year, Norma McCorvey told the story of her somewhat sordid life. Then she still adamantly supported abortion. Now she adds that to the list of sins she took with her into the baptismal pool. I've cheated people out of money. I've sold drugs. I... You know, I, I, used, I, was a, I was an abusive alcoholic for, you know, many, many years. Um, I've done a lot against his teachings. Um, but I, I think the far greater sin that I did was to be the plaintiff in Roe versus Wade. Wow. So the whole Roe v. Wade thing was built on a lie to begin with. And I think the court decided that case 7 to, seven to 2. And, uh Wow. You think about it, you know, I hear these stories about the Liberty Bell even, you know, like, well, it never really even rang in Liberty. It it cracked on the very first bell test. Um, but, you know, the story is a great story. And, you know, I don't mind some of these stories that might, uh, when it comes to patriotism and history, because it's trying to tell us a true, a true and accurate depiction we didn't have photographs and we didn't have recordings back then, so you have to go on folklore, um, which means that, you know, 1776 really did happen. I don't believe, uh, I mean, I, I believe there's a lot of historical facts in 1619, 
Uh, but I don't believe that that is America's story, 1619 Project. And I don't believe that uh, we should be known for being a racist country just because we had racism. There, Every country in the world has had racism. Um, not just racism, but slavery. Um, <clears throat> every country. And in fact, it is our constitution. Our founding fathers made it possible for us to find a path out of our wrongs. It was a gift that they gave us. A roadmap, a blueprint to get out of the mistakes that we make as humans. So it's there to be commended, not torn apart and and erased from history. Cancel culture and tearing down statues with no due process. It's absolutely absurd. All right, so we just heard two really interesting quotes. Now we're going to listen to Tucker. Uh, Tucker had a really great uh, open. Uh, He talks about the corporations and uh, uh, how they benefit financially by abortion because they don't have to pay insurance. They don't have to pay for family uh, leave and things like that. But he makes several good points. And then Mark Levin just hit it out of the park. So we're going to play these two clips. They're they're, they're really, really worth listening to. So take a listen. It was only a matter of time before Roe v. Wade was overturned. That's been obvious for decades. Even Democrats once acknowledged it. Roe was one of those decisions you never heard anyone defend on its own terms. Lots of people want legal abortion, but no one's ever explained how exactly the Constitution guarantees that. Roe was a political document. It was not a legal opinion. And for that reason, its existence degraded and undermined the legitimacy of the Supreme Court, one of our country's central institutions. It was poison. Now, the purpose of the Supreme Court is simple. It's to determine whether the laws that politicians pass are consistent with the United States Constitution. That's it. That's all the Supreme Court does. What the Supreme Court does not do, what it cannot do and should never do, is make laws. And it should never do that because a court making laws would be, by definition, anti-democratic. None of the nine Supreme Court justices has been elected by anyone. All of them have lifetime appointments. If you cared about democracy and wanted democracy to continue, you would demand that all laws in the United States be passed by elected legislatures. Again, no matter how you feel about abortion or any other specific issue. In a democracy, voters have the final word on how they are governed. That's what democracy is. Now, after nearly half a century, voters have had their rights restored on the question of abortion. If they like abortion, they can vote to legalize abortion. If they don't like abortion, they can vote to ban abortion. That's not shocking. That is how our system is supposed to work, not being a monarchy and all. So what's the argument against this? Well, there isn't one, really. And we know that for certain from the dissent in today's Supreme Court ruling. The three justices who objected don't even bother to make a legal argument in favor of keeping Roe v. Wade. Instead, they throw an embarrassing little tantrum. At one point, Kagan, Breyer, and Sotomayor warn that the highly diabolical Clarence Thomas actually plans to ban interracial marriage. Clarence Thomas against interracial marriage. And then, of course, there's lots of huffing about something called bodily autonomy, which actually we're strongly in favor of, Though it's not clear how that applies to abortion, which affects two bodies. 
But in any case, these same bodily autonomy people are the very same justices who just voted to uphold mandatory vaccinations for millions of Americans, thus violating their bodily autonomy. So much for that argument. Not that it stopped Justin Trudeau of Canada, where abortions are legal till the moment of birth. Today, Trudeau wrote this, quote, The news coming out of the United States is horrific. No government, politician, or man should tell a woman what she can or cannot do with her body. Suddenly, women are the only ones who get pregnant, you'll notice. Canada is a country, by the way, under the leadership of Justin Trudeau, that prevented unvaccinated citizens from traveling within their own country. They had mandatory vaccinations. Justin Trudeau was perfectly happy to tell the women of Canada what to put in their own body. So you're beginning to see why precisely zero people throwing tantrums today have bothered to explain the law or the principles that supposedly underlie Roe v. Wade. Not one of them. Instead, they're yelling, as they always do, suspending the January 6th hearings to start an insurrection. And that would, of course, include Joe Biden. Here he is. It was three justices named by one president, Donald Trump, who were the core of today's decision to upend the scales of justice and eliminate a fundamental right for women in this country. Make no mistake, this decision is a culmination of a deliberate effort over decades to upset balance of our law. It's a realization of an extreme ideology and a tragic error by the Supreme Court, in my view. Notice that it's abortion that is the red line for them. Abortion, of all the issues, why is that so important to them? It's obvious why it's so important to America's corporations, almost all of whom immediately weighed in to say, we'll fly you to get an abortion at the state of your choice. Why? Well, of course. Employees without families are loyal to the company. And of course, it's much cheaper to pay for an abortion than it is to pay for maternity leave or an extra name on the insurance policy. So it's all about the money for corporate America. It always is. Families are bad for big corporations. Therefore, they're against families. But what's the president talking about exactly? What's this extreme ideology? Pro-baby? That's extreme ideology that, quote, upsets the balance of our law. What is Joe Biden talking about? This particular ruling dramatically reduces the power of unelected judges to dictate the details of the lives of millions of Americans and returns that power to voters. Voters get to decide how they want to live. That's an extreme ideology that upsets the balance of power somehow. We thought that was the whole premise of our system. We thought that was democracy. And yet the very people who've been lecturing us for years about democracy, it's the end of democracy, are horrified by the return of democracy. They're telling us the legitimacy of our institutions is at risk. And yet they cannot allow voters to have a say in how they live. What does that tell you? It tells you they care about power, not popular support. They're afraid to put their ideas to the test of a vote. And that's why the Justice Department, which no longer dispenses justice, instead it works on behalf of the Democratic Party, allowed thugs to gather outside the homes of Supreme Court justices for the last several weeks in violation of federal law in an effort to intimidate them into not doing what they did today. And that's why today you saw several elected members of Congress call for insurrection. That would include Sandy Cortez of Westchester. 
It would include, as always, Maxine Waters of Los Angeles. This is not the first riot she's called for. She once again threatened violence against Supreme Court justices because they came down with an opinion she doesn't agree with. And then she promised to defy the court's ruling. How's this for defending our institutions? Watch. You see this turnout here? You ain't seen nothing yet. Women are going to control their bodies no matter how they try and stop us. The hell with the Supreme Court. We will defy them. Women will be in control of their bodies. And if they think black women are intimidated or afraid, they got another thought coming. To hell with the Supreme Court. Roberta Mugabe there will defy them. Really? You will defy our core institution after sending people to prison for questioning the last election. Is that what you're saying? Wow. Let's take a listen to Mark Levin really quick, because he had some really great uh, comments, too. Uh, we're running out of time, so we're going to just play that right, right quick here. First of all, we don't need lectures from Joe Biden, who plagiarized his way through law school. He has no idea what's going on. Secondly... The media in America are so thoroughly corrupt, they haven't read Roe v. Wade or the subsequent Casey decision or even this decision. And thirdly, neither has uh, Pelosi or Schumer because they come right out of the box. Here's the decision. How do they know what's in the decision in 30 seconds to have press releases and so forth? And they're lying about this decision. This decision is very simple. Here we have what's called the Constitution of the United States, not the tax code. It's not Obamacare. It's very simple. It's about 5,000 words, and you can look all you want. The word abortion is not in there, and it's never going to be in there unless they add to it. Here's the deal. Really, Roe versus Wade wasn't overturned. Roe versus Wade was fundamentally altered by a decision in 1992. Roe was 1973, called the Casey decision in Pennsylvania, which changed the trimester test and had the... Uh, undue burden and viability test, which they basically stole from Europe and from other kinds of laws we have in this country. The Supreme Court has been shooting from the hip on abortion now for about half a century. And that's why you have all these cases keep working their way to the Supreme Court from federal district courts. And so all these pro-abortion groups constantly litigating to prevent the states from having any regulation whatsoever. And let's be clear about what this decision says. This decision says something really unique in American history. We have a very, very powerful body, the Supreme Court, saying we don't have any power. When's the last time you heard Congress or the president or the bureaucracy say we don't have any power? So we're going to give this authority where it belongs back to the people in the states. It's that Simple. They're interpreting the Constitution. It's not taking anybody's rights away. It's not giving rights to anybody. First of all, God does that. But that said, there's 50 states for a reason. We're not a parliamentary system like in Canada, like in France. We have 50 states for a reason, 50 legislatures for a reason. So decisions can be made by the people in these states. The majority leader yeah. in the Senate is from New York. The speaker's from San Francisco. They don't get to decide everything in between the country and try and impose their will. And the court rightly says, look, we're nine justices. Sometimes these yeah. are five to four votes. The Casey vote was five to four. The Roe vote was seven to two. This vote was basically five to three to one. We shouldn't be deciding mm. these cultural issues for the American people. That's why we're at each other's throats. We have a system for that. Yeah. It's called federalism. Now, 
what do the Democrats really stand for, Maria? And we know what they really yeah. stand for, because right after the uh, leak of the first draft, they put together a bill and they voted on it and it lost. Well, let me tell you what's in that bill, because we're debating the wrong okay. issue. We're not debating Roe versus Wade. This is what the Democrats want. Abortion up to delivery. That was in their bill. Yeah. All state laws invalidating abortion after five months of pregnancy, they would invalidate. So there's viability. It's a baby. It can live outside the womb. Even under those circumstances, they support abortion. Invalidate state laws that prevent abortion for uh, uh, sex selection. So their law would have invalidated that. Invalidate conscious decisions. Certain nurses or doctors because of their faith and so forth. We have those conscious laws in 46 states. The Democrats would have blown out that. That's why radical pro-abort types like Collins and Murkowski and others, even they had a vote against this law. So let's be clear. The Democrats stand for partial birth, last second infanticide, which means taking wow. a big needle, shoving it into the top of the head of the baby, draining out their brain, turning it around in the oh, womb God. and pulling it out by its feet. That's why you never see graphics on these news shows explaining exactly what the Democrats stand for. That's what they yeah. stand for. That's what they would do. Well, Mark, I mean, remember a couple of years ago when Andrew Cuomo ruled that it would be allowed to have an abortion up until the ninth month really uh, was an incredible moment. And the world watched the celebrations going on in New York at that time. So we know likely where New York is going post this. But let me get your take on the broader story of what's happening in America right now. And you wrote about this in your most recent. We're going to uh, stop it there. But, uh, you know, it, it's true. It's just it's so obvious. Uh, you know, they want to make this an election thing. They're going to they're going to lose the election on this. The only thing that we can can be concerned about is uh, we can be concerned a little bit about energizing their base, you know, which is actually when people critique Trump, he energizes their turnout. Uh, this issue could possibly, but $5 a gallon gas would probably not, uh, and inflation changes that equation. Um, the other part is, I think when you talk about late-term abortion, for example, I think there might be 6% in America that supports that. So, you know, uh, good luck with that. And not only that, but the Hispanic voter is pro-life. So, you know, good luck with that, too. Um well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, thank you all for listening. Be sure to check out buglecall.org and magapack.org uh, to find out what we're doing to advance America First policies to make America great again. If you're going to mypillow.com, be sure to use Red State as your promo code. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye bye, everybody. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. And grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.